You're listening to Digging for Meaning, research from the Oxford School of Archaeology, a podcast. Welcome to the Digging for Meaning podcast, a podcast exploring research being carried out at the School of Archaeology in Oxford. I'm Dr Jane Kershaw. I'm a researcher in the school and I specialise in the archaeology of the Viking Age, the period roughly between 750 and 1050 AD. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking about something that was extremely important to the Vikings, those people most famed for leaving Scandinavia to raid Western Europe in the 800s, but who also adventured to North America, settled Iceland and established trade networks with the Islamic Empire. And that thing is silver. Silver is a really important source of information for archaeologists because it's the only surviving physical evidence we have for the spoils of Viking expansion. In this podcast, I'll be discussing how and where the Vikings acquired silver, why they valued it so greatly, and why they so often deposited it in the ground. Before lockdown, I had a chance to study in person one of the most impressive Viking Age silver items I've ever come across an enormous silver neck ring. Made by Scandinavian metal casters sometime around the year 900 AD, the ring consists of four ropes of twisted and plaited silver rods, the ends of which have been hammered together and formed into two S-shaped hooks for fastening. Weighing over half a kilo, it was probably not the most comfortable item of jewellery to wear but it seems to have been well used. A small length of silver rod has been threaded through one of the ropes, indicating an old repair. Although the ring is a Scandinavian type, it was buried in the ground in Beedale, North Yorkshire, about 35 miles northwest of York. It was here in 2012 that it was discovered, alongside other rings, ingots or bars of silver, and gold fittings from an Anglo-Saxon sword. The Beedel Hoard is a spectacular display of the wealth acquired by the Vikings. Altogether, the silver weighs nearly four kilograms, that's almost nine pounds. In the Viking Age, that amount of silver could have purchased some 500 sheep. We might think of a modern-day equivalent value of between 35 or 50,000 pounds. It sort of depends on the modern value of sheep. But hoards, by which I mean collections of valuable artefacts, usually deposited in the ground, are a surprisingly common feature of the Viking Age. Hundreds of silver deposits, comprising tens of thousands of individual coins and artefacts, are known from the Scandinavian homelands and the overseas areas settled by the Vikings, a vast region ranging from Iceland in the west to Ukraine and Russia in the east. It's for this reason that archaeologists sometimes refer to the Viking Age as an age of silver. Although Scandinavia does have native silver ores, the Vikings were unaware of this. All their silver was acquired from overseas. Close study of the objects and coins found in silver hoards shows that the Vikings acquired silver from two major sources. One was through raids in Western Europe, the looting and plundering that the Vikings are well known for. 
attacks on the Carolingian continent, an area covering modern-day France, Germany and parts of northern Italy, were particularly fruitful. It's estimated that the Vikings acquired £30,000 of silver, that's around 7 million pennies, during raids on the Carolingian continent in the 9th century. One estimate puts this at 14% of the wealth of the Carolingian Empire. Some of this wealth was taken back home to Scandinavia, and we can see it in the hordes. But it was also taken further west, and may have been used by the Vikings to purchase land in England. The second source of silver is less well known outside of academic circles, but was probably far more significant than European silver. It was Islamic silver coins, known then as now as dirhams. Over the course of the Viking Age, Scandinavians acquired massive quantities of these coins in exchange for furs and slaves, not necessarily within the Islamic Caliphate itself, but via trading stations located at strategic points along the river systems leading from the Black and Caspian Seas up through Ukraine and Russia. Hundreds of thousands of dirhams are preserved in hordes in Scandinavia, particularly on the Swedish Baltic island of Gotland, which appears to have had an important role in establishing eastern trading routes. They even reached as far west as Britain and Ireland. One dirham, found not far from Bedell on the Yorkshire Wolds, was minted in Tashkent in 928 or 929. The Vikings often kept the silver they acquired in its original form, and this is great for archaeologists because it means that we can track their contacts and sources of wealth. But they also melted it down to create new Scandinavian forms of rings and ingots. And with a few exceptions, the Scandinavians didn't produce their own coins until the end of the Viking Age. And this is the case with the Bedell Hoard. It preserves lots of Scandinavian artefacts, but no coins. In these cases, it's kind of difficult to know where the silver originated. Was it from Western Europe, or was it from the Islamic East? The only way of answering this question is through scientific analysis of the silver alloy. And that's something we're undertaking now in my current project, which is called Silver and the Origins of the Viking Age. By combining trace element data with data from lead isotopes, those are the isotopes of the lead that's contained in the silver, and comparing it with potential source coinages and ores, we can narrow down provenance. We've done this analysis for the Bedell hoard, and the results were surprising. They suggested that most of the silver originally stemmed not from Western European coins, which we would expect given the location of the hoard in a Western Viking settlement, but from early Viking Age silver from Scandinavia. This silver, in turn, represents a homogenization of dirham silver, which basically means lots of dirhams coming into Scandinavia were melted down together and cast into objects. Ultimately then, the silver in the Bedell hoard came from the Islamic Caliphate. The Vikings didn't just take silver out of Britain, they also brought it in. So the Vikings went to great lengths to acquire silver. As a rare, precious metal, we take it for granted that past societies would have found silver a valuable, worthwhile thing to have. 
But the Vikings' apparently insatiable desire for precious metal requires explanation, particularly because silver was practically unknown in Scandinavia in the century before the Viking Age. Scandinavian society was an agrarian society, with the exception of a small number of merchants and craftspeople working in the region's fledgling towns, almost everyone was a farmer, consumed by the tasks of raising livestock, tending to crops such as barley and oats, and processing, spinning and weaving wool to make clothes and other textiles. This is true even of the Viking raiders themselves, who raided seasonally, in keeping with the agricultural calendar. In such a society, where so much energy was expended on meeting the basic requirements for survival, what use was precious metal? As one archaeologist has put it, who would exchange their cows, butter or grain for metal in times of famine? We can gain an idea of why the Vikings valued silver so much by looking at the form the silver took. Items such as the impressive neck ring from Bedell were intended to be worn, probably not every day, but on special occasions, at feasts or other public events. It was a status symbol, a modern-day Rolex, showcasing wealth. It also made a nice gift or reward to loyal followers, and could be used for what we might describe as social, rather than strictly commercial payments. Payments such as bride price, paid by a groom to his bride's family, or dowries, or offerings of a ritualistic nature. Yet other silver items are small, deliberately cut-up pieces of rod or coin, which archaeologists call hack silver. These items, merely fragments, likely functioned as currency, passing by weight as a means of exchange within a metal weight or bullion economy. They are often found at trading sites, alongside weights and scales. And this makes sense. If you were trading with people you didn't know or necessarily trust, and who you may not ever see again, you would have wanted a universal currency, accepted by all, that was easy to check for its quality. Small knife nits and pecks on hack silver are a sign that traders did indeed inspect the silver to ensure that it was neither plated nor debased with cheaper metals like lead or copper. There is no hard and fast rule concerning the relative importance of these two functions of silver. It's likely that silver was used in different ways at different times and places. But in the very first Viking Age hordes from Scandinavia, silver chiefly takes the form of ornament. The Bedell hoard, with its complete neck rings and ingots and lack of coin and hack silver, is a good example of one such hoard. It suggests that at the outset of the Viking Age, silver was worth acquiring, even at the considerable risk of death or great injury, because it was a source of social capital. It gave you the ability to enhance your standing, build a following, create alliances, perhaps secure a marriage. Here, the inherent physical qualities of silver are important for understanding why it became such a highly desired form of wealth in an agrarian society. 
Silver, unlike cattle or land, was easily divisible. Unlike cattle or crops, it couldn't fade over time or die. It was versatile, physically malleable, and could be worn, then cut up and used as payment, and subsequently melted down again and recast into a different object for a different purpose. It was the ideal form of wealth to pass on to future generations. And for those not in line to inherit land or cattle, it could also be won right off the bat through activities requiring little capital investment. One final question remains. As archaeologists, we can study silver because it's been preserved in the ground. But why was it so often hoarded? This is a really big question in the field, and there are lots of different opinions. The 13th century Icelandic historian Snorri Sturluson offered one explanation. He suggested that people believed they, have, they would have access to whatever they had buried in the ground in the afterlife, a principle sometimes referred to as Odin's law. We see this belief enacted in the Icelandic sagas, fictional texts which nonetheless capture the essence of Viking Age society. In Egil's saga, for instance, Egil's father deposits a chest of silver and a bronze cauldron in a marsh immediately prior to his death. Before he dies, Egil himself hides two chests of silver, again in boggy land. The problem with these sources is that they post-date the end of the Viking Age by a couple of hundred years. Do such accounts reflect genuine 10th century beliefs? Or are they literary devices to account for the activities of earlier pre-Christian generations? It's possible that some people buried hordes without ever intending to recover them. Some hordes, like those in the saga, are found in bogs, rivers and lakes, making them almost impossible to retrieve. However, such hordes usually contain gold artefacts, and gold has a very different status to silver in the literature from the period, and in the archaeological record we can also see that it was treated in a more ritualistic way. For silver hoards, some deposits may have been made for the purpose of storing value and stockpiling wealth for future use. In other words, they serve as a source of savings bank without the benefit of interest. This is likely to be the case when silver hoards have a very long lifespan, containing objects added over many, many years. But it's also likely that hordes were buried for safekeeping during periods of political turmoil or absence. Silver hordes are often buried within containers, such as lead vessels or ceramic pots. The Bedell hoard, for instance, was buried under an iron sheet, itself secured by a stone placed on top of it. This suggests a desire to keep contents together, vital if the hoard was to be recovered in full. And if we look at where, in Britain, Viking Age silver hoards are found, we see a concentration around the Irish Sea littoral, from southern Scotland all the way south to the Wirral Peninsula. And yet there's a marked absence of hoards in eastern England, an area that was densely settled by the Vikings towards the late 9th century. The Irish Sea area experienced a lot of political upheaval in the Viking Age, as Scandinavian settlers from Ireland 
sought to colonise new lands and competed for power with Anglo-Saxon rulers from further south. By contrast, Scandinavian settlement in eastern England was based on family groups and was largely peaceful. Political instability likely caused people to bury their valuables and also explains why so many did not return to collect them. No doubt much more Viking silver was originally confined to the soil, but was later reunited with its owners. What we as archaeologists study is then a very partial record of Viking wealth. But as we continue to study this material from new perspectives, to press it to reveal its secrets, we can learn more and more, not just about Viking sources of wealth, but about fundamental aspects of their economic practice and social values. Thank you for listening to Digging for Meaning. For more information about this topic or for any of our other episodes, please go to our website at arch.ox.ac.uk forward slash podcasts. Thank you.